Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus makes what is perhaps the most important statement ever spoken in human history. Jesus declared, quote, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is only in and through Jesus Christ that we can have our sins forgiven, that we can come into relationship with the triune God, that we can avoid eternal hell and spend eternity in heaven. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 14 and look at this incredible truth that Jesus Christ is the only way to know and understand and spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's a Sunday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, um, just giving your life more and more, moment by moment, day by day to Jesus Christ our Lord. There's nothing more edifying, nothing more beneficial, nothing that will, that will help us more, that will bless us more, and that will be more worthwhile to us than time we spend with Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I'm kind of excited here today. We've got, uh, I'm beginning John 14 today. And uh, I mean, we've taught through the first 13 chapters of John. It's been such a privilege and a blessing to study these chapters in a way that I, that I haven't before. And I mean, now we're in chapter 14, working our way through the gospel of John. And it's just, it's been incredible. And now we're going to start rolling when we're in 14, 15, 16, 17, um, and 18 are just, well, they're all good chapters, but, um, I mean, 14, I believe has what, 31 verses. Yes. 31 verses. And, uh, I mean, it's just bam. So father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Father, we thank you for the living Word of God. We thank you, Father, for our Bible that we can just feed our spirit and our soul and your Word. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy on our lives and your goodness. We thank you for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us dying a torturous death for us, and we thank you that you are alive and risen today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So, Lord willing, I'm going to try to get through verse 11 today. Um, so there ought to be um, hopefully three teachings on John 13. And so I'm going to go ahead and read it and we'll get rolling. John, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Verse five, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> For the most part, every teaching we mention John 14, 6. There may be some we don't mention it here and there, but John 14, 6 is, is one, of the, one of the verses that that are that are so profound, that are so powerful, that are so overwhelming, that are so assertive, that are so certain by Jesus. Verse six is Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it's the exclusivity of biblical Christianity that that makes it different than every other religion. Jesus makes it clear in these first 11 verses that it is only through him that we can have any understanding of God the Father at all. It's only through him, through Jesus, that we can have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's only through him, through Jesus, that we can have our sins forgiven. It's only through Jesus that we can avoid spending eternity in hell, separated from the triune God. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And I've said this before, to many that may seem intolerant, it may seem harsh. And as candid as I can be when I think about it in my own heart, I confess, Lord, that, that I don't like it. I want everyone to go to heaven. I want everyone to be saved. I want, I don't want anyone to spend eternity in hell, but certainly I don't make the rules and what my heart wants makes very little difference. This is the Bible. This is the living word of God. This is God giving us his word in the necessity of Jesus for every human being is clear. All human beings are sinful. Every man and woman on the earth today, all 8 billion people, all of us are sinful. Romans 3.23 says that all of us have fallen short of God's standard. And because of that, we cannot be in his presence. We're dead in our sin. We're spiritually dead, naturally alive, but our spirit is dead to God. We need spiritual life, and that can only come from the Savior the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God the Son. It's only in receiving Jesus. John 1.12 says that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? 
Are you trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and to bring you to heaven when you die? It's only in Jesus that we can spend eternity in heaven and escape spending eternity in hell. And so when Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's not ambiguous. He's not boasting. When you, when you think about the words, when you think about the magnitude of the words, the force of the words, the power of the words, no human being has ever even considered uttering such a statement. And Jesus makes several of them here in these 11 verses. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us, okay? It's Jesus that saves us. But we use our words to communicate our heart to God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you're not sure that you've given your life to Jesus, again, John 1, 12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You can call on him today. You can humble yourself before Jesus. And that's the only way it can happen. When you humble yourself before Jesus Christ and bow your head and simply say, Lord Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinful person. I confess that, of course, I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I'm hopeless and that I'm helpless. I'm desperate. I know I cannot save myself, Lord. But I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that you came into this world for me. And I believe that you lived a perfect life for me, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross a torturous death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all of my faith and trust and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. A Christian is someone who's trusting in Jesus Christ, relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Now, as I said, it's, it's not those words that save us, but use the words. If you're not sure you're trusting in Jesus today, go back, rewind the tape or the video or whatever it is you're listening on and use the words I've just used. But it's the sincerity and the genuineness of your heart in crying out to Jesus to save you, knowing your need of him that matters. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Here's another one of those verses, right, May? What, what human individual would dare say such a thing? He's just told the disciples in chapter 13 that he's leaving them. They can't follow them. He's told them he'll be betrayed. And now he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he's saying that to us as well. I was, uh, I was sharing coffee and breakfast with my, my brother Jason this morning. And uh, we were talking about this verse that I was confessing that how consistently I'm not obeying this verse. 
Right, Stephen? We continually, it seems, or consistently at least, have troubled hearts about one thing or another. And here's a command from Jesus. Do not, Scott, let your heart be troubled. It's not a request. It's a command. And Father, I ask you to forgive us because as your sons and daughters, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, we seemingly consistently, I do, have a troubled heart about one thing or another. The disciples are are distraught because they're being told that they're not going to see him anymore. They don't understand that he's about to give his life for the sin of the world. Um, and so they're troubled. And yet he says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. And again, he's saying that same thing to us today. But look what he says after that. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He just, he, who would say such a thing? What, what human being would ever say such a thing? If this person is not God himself, it's a blasphemous statement beyond reason. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He just told them to trust in God the Father. And in the exact same way you trust in God the Father, trust in, trust in him. Trust in Jesus Christ. I've said this over and over and over again. It's only in biblical Christianity that we can know anything about God the Father, that we can know God in any way. So whatever, if you have any other religion, any other thoughts about God, if you're in a new age belief system, right? Um, if, you're in, if you're an agnostic, you're just saying, yeah, well, I'm not sure, you know, about the whole thing. I don't know. None of that works. You know, obviously, atheism is saying there is no God, which is absurd, right? The scriptures say, the fool says in his heart, the psalmist says, there is no God. It's foolish. But Jesus himself is saying, if you want to know God the Father, if you want to know God in any way, the one true God, it can only come in him and in trusting in him, relying on him. And as John 1, 12 says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, Jesus comes to live in you. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You're regenerated. You come to eternal life. You become spiritually alive and you actually come into relationship and God the Father becomes your heavenly Father when you receive Jesus Christ. It's incredible. And so would it, there is no other way to the Father. So again, if you're a Hindu today, you need Jesus. If you're a Buddhist today, you need Jesus. If you're a Muslim today, you need Jesus. Every human being on the world, all 8 billion people, need Jesus Christ if they want to know or understand anything about God in any manner or in any way. Without Jesus, we're in darkness, we're spiritually dead, and we cannot understand anything. And I'll say again, I know that that seems harsh or intolerant. It's just what the Bible teaches. That's why Jesus became a human man. God, God the Son, Jesus Christ, willingly became a human man and entered this earth lived a perfect life, died a terrible death, 
and was raised from the dead because all of us need him. Verse 2. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. When I was studying this, the scholars made a point about Socrates at the end of his life, the great philosopher Socrates. And for those of you that may or may not have read the great philosophers, Socrates was a form of a mentor to Plato. And Plato was a mentor to Aristotle, right? And those three, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, are known as the, the three, like, like world-known champion philosophers. And when you read them, the way they reason and the logic and the reason in which they speak really is, is sound. It's solid, right? But when Socrates, right, one of the greatest minds the Lord has ever given, he was at the end of his life. He was in prison. He was going to die. And he had people coming to visit him. And they would all postulate about heaven. They would, they would share their thoughts. And uh, Socrates would share his concerns about heaven. I was reading these scholars wrote this. Um, the great Socrates would share his, his desire to know and the fact that he didn't know and his hopes about the next life and what would happen when he died and just his complete uncertainty about it all. Socrates, not Jesus. Look at this here, May. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus spoke about heaven with no doubts. It was a certainty to him. It's absolute. And I was telling Jason this morning that sometimes this, this whole thing of dying and spending eternity in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I just we just confess that sometimes it seems it all seems too good to be true, but it is true. It's real. Jesus would have to be a maniac like never there's been, as C.S. Lewis said, a liar like there's never been. If this weren't true, look at his words. In my father's house are many rooms. In heaven, God the father's house, are many rooms. There's a place for all of us, a dwelling for all of us who have received Jesus Christ. And look what he says after that. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus is the boss. Jesus said, if this were not the situation, if there were no heaven, if there was no place for you in heaven, he would have told you. But he's telling you that there is a place in heaven, that heaven is a real place. And he spoke about heaven as an absolute certainty. Right, Lauren? And, and that's encouraging to us. It's certain that after this life, there is a real heaven. And there is a real hell. And that's why we, we do this is we want every human being to give their lives to Jesus. And then after we've done that, to live for him. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Look what Jesus said. I am going there. I'm going to heaven. You see how he's speaking about heaven as a certainty? He's saying he's going to go live it. He's going to go give his life on the cross. 
He's going to be tortured to a, an inch of his life. He's going to have spikes nailed through his hands and feet. He's going to give his life on the cross for the redemption of the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then from there, he'll be resurrected and he will go to heaven and he's preparing a place for all those now who will receive him. As John 1, 12 says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Again, look at the language. The language is so certain. It's so bold. It's so forceful. It's so knowing. No human being in history, no biblical person anywhere in the Old Testament or New Testament, no person in any other religion, no, no Gandhi, no Buddha, no Muhammad, no Confucius, no New Age person, no one speaks like this. I am going there. Jesus said, I'm going to heaven and I'm preparing a place for you. I am preparing a place for you. And only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can prepare heaven for you today. None of those other people can do it because they're not God. Jesus Christ is almighty God. And only he can pay the price for the sin of the world. Only Jesus has redeemed the world. And only Jesus can go to heaven and prepare a place for us. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Not only is he going to die and redeem the world, not only is he going to pay for the sin of the world, not only is he going to open the way for all humanity to be saved by receiving him and trusting in him and what he did at the cross where he died in our place. At the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus died in our place. He was punished in our place. He took the death that all of us should have taken at the cross. He took the punishment all of us should have taken at the cross. He died in our place and he was punished in our place. Now, there is a little difference here, okay? Jesus Christ also went to hell. Now, we too would have went to hell, but we would have been in hell and hell would have held us for eternity. Jesus went to hell, but Jesus conquered hell. Hell did not overwhelm Jesus. Hell did not torture Jesus. Jesus conquered hell. When Jesus left this life and he stepped into hell, never was hell. Never was hell so fearful, so overwhelmed, or so devastated when the Son of God walked into hell. Yeah. So, again, Jesus died in our place. He was punished in our place. You could say in a manner he went to hell in our place. But the difference is hell would have conquered us. Jesus conquered hell. That indeed, he paid the price that we would not, not go to hell. Wow. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Jesus will come back again. He came the first time as a suffering servant, right, Wendy? But when he comes back again, and, and, and man, I hope he comes back before this teaching ends. Come, Lord Jesus. The Bible ends in the book of Revelation with the Apostle John, the same author who wrote this book, saying, come, Lord Jesus. 
I hope he comes back before this teaching ends again. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Not only will he die for us, not only will he give his life for us, not only will he be punished for us, not only will he redeem us, but he, the same Jesus, will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That's the goal of heaven is to be with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to be with our King, to be with our God who loved us and gave his life for us. The goal of heaven is not all the benefits of heaven. The goal of heaven is to be with Jesus and the, and the greater relationship and devotion we have to Jesus now, the more we'll desire that, the more we'll desire to be with Jesus. Most of us would say as Christians, we don't, you know, we don't desire Jesus by any means as we ought to. That's why we do these things. That's why you need to spend time in your Bible, right, Peyton? That's why we, we need to, to give ourselves to prayer, right, and fellowship and community, right, Nathan? Because um, the more you do these things, the more, the more deep and intimate your relationship with Jesus will be and the, and the more he'll mean to you and the more you'll desire him. Verse 4. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now, the way to the place that Jesus is going is through him. Jesus is going to give his life on the cross and ascend to heaven ultimately after his resurrection, 40 days after his resurrection. And the way is him, right? As we said in verse six, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, it's a profound verse. So when he says, you know the way to the place where I am going, that's our job as Christians in the world today. All Christians have this job. As ministers, this is what we do for a living. But you know the way to the place where I am going. And the way to the place to be with Jesus is Jesus himself. It's trusting and relying on Jesus, believing in Jesus, receiving Jesus as your savior. Now, I mean, you know, Thomas often gets a bad rap. You know, I have a, you know, my closest brother, Tom, and, you know, I have a lot of close brothers, but I've known him the longest. Um, you know, he came to Christ, you know, a few years after I did. And, um, it, you know, we talk about how, Thomas or doubting Thomas often gets a bad rap, but Thomas is real. And Jesus just says in verse four, you know the way to the place where I am going. Look what Thomas says. Thomas said to him, verse five, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So, so how can we know the way? So Jesus is speaking these most profound words. And Thomas is like, you know, Lord, I, we really don't even know what you're talking about. Thomas obviously thinks that Jesus is speaking about geography, that maybe he's going to another town. Um, he's going to another physical place, right? Jesus is talking about going to the cross and giving his life on the cross and ultimately going to heaven, right? Preparing rooms for them and all these things he says. Obviously, the disciples don't understand it, but Thomas speaks up and says, you know what? I just, we have no idea what you're saying. Thomas said to him, Lord, 
We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And because Thomas believes, because Thomas has a relationship with Jesus, because Thomas believes that he can share his true heart with Jesus, we have verse 6. Verse 6 is Jesus replying to Thomas. What am I trying to say? John 14, 6 is one of the most important verses in all the Bible. It's Jesus saying, it's him or hell, right? Jesus answered, I am the way. So again, he's answering Thomas's question. Thomas is saying, Lord, what are you talking about that you're, you're going? We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way to where you're going? Where you haven't told us. Again, Thomas is thinking about the physical, as generally we all do, right? For the most part, when oftentimes Jesus is speaking about spiritual principles, right? Jesus is the spiritual way to have your sins forgiven, to come into relationship with the triune God and to ultimately go to heaven, right? Um, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, again, that doesn't even help Thomas, right? Because Thomas is trying to find out the physical place that Jesus is going because he Thomas thinks Jesus is speaking about going to some, again, some other town or something, or he's going somewhere else physically, right? Um, and to this, to this question, you know, how can we know the way when we don't know where you're going? Jesus gives them, gives Thomas this most profound answer that, Thomas, you're looking for a physical way, but let me explain something to you. I am the way, period. I'm not a way. Jesus said, I am the way. And it doesn't even stop there, right? Thomas just wants to know about a way. Jesus said, I am not a way. I am the way and the truth and the life. Again, the words are so profound. They're so overwhelming. We, 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 we cannot comprehend them. And it's a good thing my man Thomas speaks up. It's a good thing my man Thomas is, our man Thomas, is willing to, uh, to share his heart like this. Right, Corinne? I mean, you and I, as disciples of Jesus, as Christians, it, it, the Lord wants us to share our heart with him, our questions with him, our doubts with him, our concerns with him, our fears with him. And in, in doing so, Jesus will reveal himself to you and to me in ways we could never imagine. It's Thomas's freedom to be real with Jesus. Are you real with Jesus? Are you willing to be real with Jesus and about your fears and your concerns? Because it's only in being real with Jesus that you can get anywhere. Okay? It's good for us when we have other people that, you know, we confide in and we can trust in and, and, and we have those people that are there for us. But until we're real with Jesus, until we pour out our heart to Jesus, we really won't know the meaning of life or what it is to know God our Father and to know Jesus and to know the Holy Spirit. And it's because Thomas is willing to just be, just to kind of bust in and say, we don't even know what you're talking about. Sometimes we can be too religious with Jesus. You can be real with him. Your heavenly father loves you, right? He's your father. 
Jesus Christ is your king. He's your savior. It's only in being real and sincere and candid and genuine with Jesus that, that you're going to know deep relationship with him. Verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now again, look at the magnitude of this statement. John 14, 7. If you really knew me, Jesus speaking, you would know my father as well. Again, never stated in human history. Who would ever say such a thing? Unless you're God yourself, how could you say such a, uh, such a statement? How could these words leak out of your mouth? If you really knew me, Jesus is saying, you would know my father as well. To know Jesus is to know God the Father. Because Jesus is God, Almighty God the Son. And to know Jesus, God the Son, to look at Jesus, to study Jesus in the Gospels, right, Father Rick? Is to know God the Father. This is not an ambiguous verse, right? John 14, 7, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. Yeah. I mean, again, he just put himself right there. He said, when you're looking at me, you're seeing the father. No other religion has that because it's only in Jesus Christ, right? It's only biblical Christianity that we have the savior, Jesus Christ. And if you want to know the father or see the father, you can only see him in Jesus through Jesus. And as John 1:12 says in receiving Jesus, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to be at the cross within probably 12 hours. He's about 12 hours from his death. As we've said from John 13 on, we have is really the last 24 hours of Jesus's life. And then in, you know, in verse uh, 20 and 21, in chapters 20 and 21, we have his resurrection. Um, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So again, none of us have seen God with our physical eyes, but Jesus just said, when you've seen him, you have seen God the father. And I'm, I'm still trying to get on y'all the, the weight of that statement, right? Verse eight, and this is Jesus is a little taken back by this. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And again, all of us would have done the same if we were there. It's kind of nice 2,000 years later, looking back, we have the privilege of these Gospels, but the disciples still don't understand what he's saying. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus just said in verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so Jesus just said, when you're looking at me, you're seeing him. And then Philip says this thing, you know, he's been with Jesus three and a half years. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Now, again, just look at the, look at the place that Philip has to share his heart. Jesus is going to almost seem hurt by this, right? Look at verse 9. And, and I want to say again, you want to pour out your heart to Jesus. Just tell him what's in your heart. 
He knows, so don't hide it. So Philip just says it. Show us the Father and that will be enough. And look what Jesus says, verse 9. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So again, imagine being there and you're trying to, trying to comprehend what this guy just said. Did he just say this? Anyone who has seen me has seen God the Father. Let those words sink in. All right, Uncle Dennis, let those words get deep down, David. Anyone who has seen me, Jim, has seen the Father. To look at Jesus Christ, Leah, to look into the Gospels, to study the Gospels, is to see Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And that is his certain claim. Who could say such a thing? Has any, has any person ever said such? You'd have to be the biggest fool, liar, maniac in the world to say such words. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Okay. How can you say, show us the Father? Verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Again, look at the claims. Don't you believe? Jesus and the Father are one. We have one God, but represented in three distinct individual persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're three individual beings. And in Jesus Christ, we have relationship and the opportunity to cult cultivate relationship with all of them. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So now he didn't just say the words of the Father are his and his words are the Father's. He said the work he's doing are not only his, but the Father. I mean, just wrapping it all up, Jesse, with a bow tie, right? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Yeah. Verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. And look at that command. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. It's, it's, it's a bold statement, right? Again, only God could say such a thing. And the words are clear. They're not ambiguous. It's just that, you know, I myself, when I read this and when I was studying this, I don't think about this enough. The, 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 the profundity, the profoundness, the overwhelming, you, you know, just these words are, who, who could ever say such things? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Jesus' words, right? And then look what he says. Or at least believe on the evidence 
of the miracles themselves. This is an interesting verse, and we're going to end here. But he says, he commands us, he commands them, and he's commanding all of us in the world. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father. Jesus is in God the Father, and God the Father is in Jesus. That's why without Jesus, we have no God at all. Because what is the alternative? Either this man is an absurd liar, he's a deceiver worse than any devil could ever be, right? Or he is who he says he is. There are no options here. We have to deal with these words from Jesus. And the obvious conclusion is he is who he says he is. He's God. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. It's a command. Do you believe that? And then he says, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. When you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the miraculous power of God at work in Jesus Christ in, a, in an inconceivable manner, manner, right? There is a hurricane, right? You heard of Katrina that destroyed New Orleans, the big one in Houston. I forget the name of that one, right? Um, a hurricane that causes billions and billions of dollars of damage. That, that, that hundreds, if not thousands of lives are often lost. And Jesus is going through one of those, except he's sleeping. His disciples wake him up and said, Lord, don't you care that we perish and die? And he sits up, looks at Katrina and says three words, quiet, be still. And immediately, the hurricane stops. Immediately, everything is calm. Yeah, right? Lazarus is dead four days in the tomb. Two chapters ago, right? Three chapters ago. He's dead four days. He walks up, commands Lazarus come out. The dead man walks out alive four days later. Jesus said, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. It's amazing that he tells the disciples that if it's hard for you to believe my words, then believe my actions. Take Jesus at his word, take Jesus at his actions. Take him at his actions, take him at his word. But he is who he says he is. He's almighty God, and he's our Savior and our King, and our Master. Lord Jesus, we worship you today, and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for coming into this world, becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, dying a torturous death for us, Lord, and we thank you and worship you we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you and praise you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these scriptures. We thank you for our Bible. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now. Seal it to our hearts. Transform us by your mercy and by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.